0: We've never really talked about a strategy for how to get bigger, but we have talked about what it looks like for us to get better. Go and make disciples of all nations. He wants us to go even to the places and to the people we're uncomfortable with. We're never going to be content to simply fill seats and have services. It's always been about figuring out how to connect or reconnect people to God, through Jesus, in the power of the Holy Spirit ever heard your voice and wondered, is that really me? If you ever want to feel confident in yourself, just put some music to the background. Like I could have been reading ingredients from banana bread or something. Put music. Hey, um, welcome to a new year. Haven't seen you guys since last year. So happy new year. Um, With a new year comes a new teaching series. And um, this is going to be um, a little bit different uh, than um, our normal first of the year teaching series. Um, in fact, it's going to be a lot um, different than um, our normal first of the year teaching series. We're, we're going to take the first four weeks of um, January of, of 2024 and talk a little bit about some things that our um, board and our pastoral team has been praying through, um, has been talking about, has been planning actually for quite um, some time. To put it plainly, we wanna talk about for these next four weeks, where we believe Jesus is leading us as a church. And the conversation is certainly gonna move past January um, into uh, 2024 and, and even beyond, but we've just dedicated these first four weekends Um, to talk specifically about a new direction and a new vision for us um, as a church. And I need to tell you up front that it sounds self-centered, but I don't know how else to say it. Um, Part of what we're going to talk about is what God has been doing in me, um, how he's been forming me, renewing and reshaping a little bit of my call um, to ministry. Um, Some of it started back during COVID and how that changed Um, Some of the landscape of our culture and even some of the landscape of of the church in America. It continued through the the two and a half grueling years that I went back to school um, and and got a master's degree while I was leading here and trying to be a dad and a husband and all that stuff. Um, But it's really solidified over the past calendar year through throughout 2020. 23. So some of this is what God has been doing in me and how it affects us as a church. And it's just time for us um, to talk about this. So um, as I normally do, as I look to the future, I have a tendency to look back. I don't know if you do this or not, but um, just thinking about the last 16 years of our church, the the last 16 years where I've been um, lead pastor, I just see this kind of common theme, this continual theme of God blessing us as a church. Um, And and, and I'm not saying that's because I've been the lead pastor. Please don't hear that. Um, It's just, you you just see this evidence. Like I was even thinking after Christmas Eve services, our Christmas Eve service, we had over 700 people attend our Christmas Eve services. Um, If you go back 16 years, that's about three times the amount of people who would have come to a Christmas Eve service here at Grace Point. 16 years ago, and then um, Give Serve Love. We, we announced our, um, our, what we had received for Give Serve Love at Christmas Eve services. That number's closer to $110,000 now, but the first time we ever took a Christmas offering was about 13 years ago, and it was like 15,000. This is how much we received. And it's not money, it's not just money and people. Uh, We could talk about the partnerships that we've developed over the past um, 16 years. We could talk about the different churches that we've kind of helped um, get started over that time, the growth and quality of leaders, both paid and um, volunteer. Just the list could go on and on and on. But I just look at all that and it seems to me just it points to God's continual blessing in and through us as a church, but it isn't necessarily how God has blessed us. That's fun to talk about. It's encouraging. It's inspiring. It's probably even important for us to look back and see how he's been at work in and through us. But the better question I want us to ask is why? Why has he blessed us as a church? And what does he intend for us to do with that blessing? Um, That's what we're going to talk about corporately as a body, but I'm actually going to present that question to you personally at multiple points. How has God blessed you? And why? And what does he intend for you to do with what he's put in your hand? It's an important question to ask. Um, The the way that we're going to do that is by looking at um, the, the life and the story of Abraham, one of the most important figures Um, In human history Think about this Three major world faiths Which together count For more than half Of the world's population Look to Abraham As the father Of their faith Because Father Abraham Had many sons And many sons Had Father Abraham All the people Who are laughing Grew up in Sunday school Right Right even if you're here today and like you're not so sure if you're tuning in and joining us online and you're not sure about the Jesus thing, you're not sure about the church thing, you're really not sure about the Bible thing, you need to understand how essential Abraham is to understanding human civilization. His life multiplied today. To today, his life continues to impact us to this very day. And, and he's somebody who gives us a picture of how God wants to multiply the blessings he's given us in our world today and even beyond. So important, he's a pretty important figure in history. But when Abraham's story started, he didn't have much at all. He didn't have much of all. In, case, in fact, some of you, some of you are going to hear this and you're going to think, well, I don't have anything how in the what, God hasn't blessed me with anything? How in the world can God use me to bless the world? That's actually where Abraham started. There's, there's just some tragic irony in how the writer of Genesis sets up the life of Abraham. His original name, Abram, meant father, but he's 75 with no kids. His name gets changed to Abraham, which means father of many. So Abram's daddy, Abraham's big daddy, but he's 75. <laughs> and he still has no children. Doesn't have any kids. There's this destiny written into his name and his very identity, but he's nearing the end of his life and he's got nothing. It's almost like life is mocking him. On top of that, Genesis 12 is usually where people think Abraham's story starts, but it actually starts more in Genesis 11. So if you've got a Bible or a mobile device and you want to find that, that, that's great. Genesis 11 is where we find the story of the Tower of Babel, this project that symbolized humanity's rejection of God, their declaration of independence from God. Genesis 11, spiritually speaking, it's a really dark moment in the story. Um, But but there's one family in Genesis 11 that still follows God. There's only one left at this point. But by the end of chapter 11, they're living in a culture of idolatry, a place called Ur. They've compromised. They begin worshiping other gods. One of the ways we know that is Abraham's dad's name is Terah. And Terah in Hebrew means moon, which is a, a Hebrew metaphor for the end. It would be like you naming your child Caboose. It means the end. And the people of Ur worshiped the moon. So the fact that he was named moon means his family had conformed to the idolatrous culture around them. So as Genesis 11 ends, the the last candle is flickering. (laughs) Like, Like the only godly family on earth has given in to idolatry. They're not having any kids. They're worshiping other gods. The darkness is about to completely swallow the light. Hope is fading fast. And into the story, God speaks. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Many of you have heard this before but the context in which God says this is really important. God shows up to Abram and, and God calls this guy who barely even knows who God is. He's childless. He tells him he's gonna be the father of a great nation of people who worship and follow God and use the blessings that God gives to Abraham to bless the world. That's just crazy. And yet, before you walked in to that door today, you knew about Abraham. Did you know that we inherited the promise that God gave Abraham? To make a long story short, one of Abraham's descendants was Jesus. And at the end of of, of Matthew's gospel, we get the Great Commission. Go into all the world, make disciples of every nation. Matthew starts his gospel with the genealogy of Jesus who starts with who? Abraham. So Abraham starts Matthew's gospel And Jesus ends Matthew's gospel with go. We inherited the promise made to Abraham through Jesus. Abraham's promise becomes our promise. His command becomes our command. And how he responded to that promise, how he responded to that command serves as a model for how you and I respond to God's promise and command to this day. So so Abraham's experience, I think it presents us with some questions we just need to wrestle with. Three questions, okay? First question is this, am I really following Jesus? Am I really following Jesus? It's a question about who is really in charge of your life. Are you in charge of your life and you allow God to influence you? Or is God in charge of your life? The, the way that um, it's been described to me before is, have you, have you given him a blank check with your signature on it? no restrictions, no limitations, all I am, all I have, all I ever hope to be, I offer without reservation. That's what that question really means. Who's in charge of my life? God's command to Abraham was intentionally open-ended, go to the land I will show you, okay? Which land is that? Wouldn't you have some questions there? Like, and God says, Don't worry about that. I'll show you. Well, okay, can you guarantee my safety? Can you guarantee that I'm going to have a kid? God says, I'm not going to answer that either. I, I just want you to go. John Calvin summarized God's call to Abraham like this Just close your eyes and take my hand. Just close your eyes. And take my hand. I love that image. It's a beautiful image, especially if God is telling you to do that. It's not real fun when He tells me to do it. Just close your eyes and take my hand. But what about? And how's this going to work out? And I'm I'm just not sure. God, am I going to have to be a missionary? Am I going to have to change careers? Are you going to make me break up with my boyfriend? Are you going to make me break up with my girlfriend? Am I going to have to change schools? I mean, what if, what if I have to change some part of my life? I, I don't know how. What if, what if you ask me to change a part of my life that I'm not ready to? Am I, am I going to have to turn into one of those people that puts fish bumper stickers on the back of their car and tells everybody to have a blessed day? Right? We want to know the what... The when, the where, and the how. God says, all you need to know right now is the who. Who is in charge? He's not looking to give us all the details. He's just looking for us to follow. Just close your eyes. Take my hand. We're we're trying to do everything we can to see the Great Commission become a reality in our generation as best as we can. My question for you is are you personally engaged in that? The, the, the answer to that question, that's a personal answer. We can do everything we can as a church to provide strategy and, and vision and direction, but if you're not personally engaged in the mission of Jesus, we aren't engaged in the mission of Jesus because we are made up of individual yous. Are you engaged? Are you really following Jesus? It's the first question. Abraham's life forces us to answer. Second question, where's my security? God was calling Abraham to leave his family, his land, his tribe. And in those days, that's that's your security. It would be the equivalent of God asking you to renounce your education, change careers, leave your 401K behind. Leave your extended family. All of the things that we depend on for security. And it makes you think, what kind of conversations did Abraham and Mrs. Abraham have about this? What, did, what kind of conversations did Abraham and his family and his tribe have? Like, you're, go, you're, you're what? Where are you going? I don't know. Where is your security? Is it in answers? Is it in comfort? Is it it in knowing exactly what's gonna happen? This This is one of the things I've been so challenged with over the last few years. Am I willing to let go of the things that have brought me comfort and security and do what God asks me to do? It's so much easier. Those of you who have pastored before, it's so much easier for me to sit up here and ask you to ask that question than it is for me to look in the mirror and ask. What's my security in? Where is my comfort? It's the things that we hold on so tightly. And God comes along and says, can we talk about that? Can I have that? Will you obey me in that? And we hold on so tightly. Where's your security? Question number three. Have I offered my blessing back to God to be multiplied for his kingdom? Following Jesus means viewing everything, every good and perfect gift that we have. As coming from God to be used, to be multiplied for his big K kingdom, not just our little K kingdom. There's a passage that we're going to come back to in and out of for the next few weeks. 2 Corinthians 9. This is uh, the Apostle Paul is speaking to the church in Corinth. And he says, he who supplies seed to the sower, that's God, will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Question. According to Paul, what Paul says here, why does God multiply your seed? It's one reason. It's only one reason. For sowing. For sowing. God increases our capacity, He increases our blessing to give us the ability to have a larger reach, a larger impact, and bless the world like Abraham. He blesses you. To bless the world. Because see, there's two things that you can do with most seeds. Most seeds you can grind up for food or spices or ingredients for food. Think like grain being ground up to be made into bread. Or you can take that seed and you can plant it to create more seeds. It'll produce more seeds, which means more food. So, so it's such a challenging question for us to get our minds around it because outside of these walls, we're... To, we're, we're, we're presented with so many other messages about why you have what you have. Why does God increase the resources he gives you? Why does God increase the resources he gives us as a church? So we can make more bread? Not according to what Paul says here. According to what Paul says, it's so we can take and multiply what he's given us to feed the world with the blessing of righteousness. So we can have a greater harvest. Of salvation. Now, most of the time this passage is used to talk about financial things and preachers are really good at using this to twist arms and raise money. Everybody relax. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? We should absolutely view our finances through this filter. We should make sure that when God gives us more, we don't just increase our standard of living, we increase our standard of giving. That's absolutely true. The kind of giving, the kind of sowing that I want to talk about today has to do with how we invest our time and energy as a church, our resources as a church. Because for the past 20 years, we've talked about investing time and energy and resources in a new building, relocating to a new location. It was a worthy endeavor that we believe God was leading us in. And this this is where what God has been doing in me collides with where we're going as a church. Because that idea, that dream of building if I'm being completely honest, and I am, started to become my security. It started to become my comfort. I was comfortable with it. That was the goal, the vision for so long. And over the past three years, that's just changed in me. We finished um, our last capital campaign in November of 2019. In March of 2020, the world turned upside down. And and I'm not saying, please don't hear this. I am not saying God caused COVID to get my attention. I would never say anything like that. But he certainly used it to refocus my attention on something different. The last few years have been my close your eyes and take my hand season. And it's not comfortable. It's not fun. The place that he's led me to is a direction um, that we've participated in at varying levels in the past, but um, our board, our leadership, we, we feel like it's time to go all in. And my heart, my vision, my hope for us as a church is that we would, we would be a multiplying church for as long as you'll allow me to be your pastor. And that might not be that much longer after today but for as long as you'll allow me, that that we would figure out what it looks like to to, to think about everything that God places in our hands to multiply disciples, multiply leaders, and multiply churches. In a nutshell, that we would become a church planting church, that we organize and, and, and strategize our ministry around as a church on making disciples and leaders and then sending them out to start new churches, as opposed to just making disciples and building up leaders and keeping them here as a part of our church. So I want to give you an image. I want to give you um, just, just an idea of how this might look. It's, it's the difference between a reservoir and a river. Um, when you put water into a reservoir, it just sits there until you need to use it. And reservoirs have their use. There's a need for them. You can can dam them up and use the the, the power of the water to produce electricity. There's lots of water recreation activities that you can use. But but the water, it just sits there. A reservoir church is a church where disciples and leaders flow in and they just kind of sit there. A river is water that's constantly moving. It's constantly flowing downstream, providing life and growth and movement, sometimes even creating new landscapes. A river church is where disciples and leaders flow downstream to start new ministries and new churches. It's it's a church that moves. The measurement is more about flow rate than volume contained. It's about gallons per minute as opposed to gallons per minute retained. And, and if you want to know what my heart is, if you want to know what I really want us to be about as a church in the years to come, if you want to know what I lose sleep over, that's it. It's as simple as I can make it. I want us to be a river church, not a reservoir church, which means a lot of things. But one of the things that it means is we're going to stay here. We're going to stay where we are. And we're going to stop focusing on building a bigger building or relocating to a different location and instead focus and strategize and organize around making disciples, leaders, and then sending them out to start new churches, in turn, making room for more disciples and more leaders, and then start the process all over again. I've been captured by the vision of flowing instead of just growing, And and there are a lot of things we still need to figure out, a lot of unanswered questions that you have, I have. We're going to figure those out in the months to come, and we're going to take this kind of bite-sized chunks at a time. But the first bite that we're going to chew on is the first leader that we're going to send to start our first church. Because as I was wrestling with some of these things, as God was working on my heart and preparing me for this, he was preparing someone else that you know. And so I'm going to invite Pastor Mark to come up here and I've asked him to share a little bit about what God has been doing in him, and we're going we're gonna tag team this thing a little bit and move from there. I'll get out of the way.:
1: Yeah, so uh let me just address a couple things before I dive in uh, too much of this. The first is this I don't you know I was I have known for a long time that if you don't fill in the gaps for people they'll fill them in themselves, right? So I want to fill in a couple gaps for you. One is uh, we. Love, Grace Point. I mean, we love it. We love the leadership here. I love my boss is. I have two. Right, we love Grace Point. We we love our team. We love the mission. We love the strategy. We love the people we get to serve under. We love the people we get to serve over. We love the flock that we get to lead. We love it here. Our kids uh, could not love our family ministry environments anymore, and we could not love the people who they've been entrusted to any. More, We love Grace Point. We're not leaving here because we want to go. In fact, I don't even like the language we're leaving here. I like the language better that we're going to allow God to send us. So, uh, we love it here. I don't want you to hear anything different. We're not leaving under any bad terms. I, like Tim and I are totally, I can't overstate it entirely united in this. Our church board is entirely united in this. I don't want to hear, I don't want to let anybody assume anything negative. None of this is negative. It's only positive for us, though not without some felt loss, right? We get that. I don't want to overlook that. I don't want to dismiss that. I don't want to minimize that, but the reality is I just want to make sure everybody's clear that that we're not leaving out of frustration or anything like that. So, I want to lead with that. And then Tim asked me if I would just give some of the why. Like we talked about, he already said, you know, the who is Jesus, uh, the the when and where and all that stuff. I mean, you deserve answers to that. We're going to provide you answers to that in the weeks and months ahead. But today's not that day. Today, he just wanted me to give you a little bit of what's God doing in my heart and what has the Lord done in my heart to lead me to this uh, place here now. So there's two reasons for for my why, for our why. I'll speak on behalf of my wife and I both. Uh, The first... Uh, is what Tim alluded to a little bit ago. Like, it's just what the Lord is doing. This is what obedience looks like for us. So let me unpack that uh, just a little bit. Uh, I've actually been sitting on this for eight years. I know you're thinking we well, you should have been obedient eight years ago, then <laughs> you moron, right? I've been sitting on this for for roughly eight years, um, and within that eight-year uh, time period, a year or two after that, so five or six or seven years ago, I don't can't remember the exact timing, but our staff went to. A conference here in town is a simulcast it was the Global Leadership Conference, and we were at that conference. And uh, this thing is like welling inside me. It's like it's like stirring in me. I hadn't talked to anybody about it yet, but it was it's kind of just lingering in me. And we went to this conference, and one of the keynote speakers, one of the pastors there at that conference, uh, was talking about the Wright brothers of all things. He was he was speaking about uh, their experience and their challenges, and he was talking about how multiple times they failed at getting a plane to fly, at getting it in the air, and at flying successfully. And the gist of it, without going into too much detail, the gist of it, and look at the main point of his talk, was this. The wind just wasn't right. Not wind, W-H-E-N, wind, right? The wind just wasn't right. So, and the Lord really used that language to speak to me. I knew that right then and there, like, the wind is not right for me. Like, God just used that to speak directly to my heart. So, and that was fine. There was no discouragement in that. I wasn't going to manufacture it or force any of this stuff. I was going to you know, keep doing ministry. We were going to keep doing what we loved doing. Um, and we knew that at some point the wind would be right and the Lord would make it very, very clear to us uh, what we were to do with this, this vision that was starting to kind of form inside my heart. So uh, in due time, you know, we, we would get there. So that's, that's one way I knew the Lord used that to speak to me. The other way I knew uh, that it wasn't yet time was that my wife wasn't ready. And frankly, she thought I wasn't ready. <laughs> and as Tim said, Tara is the end. <laughs> so we went with that, right? <laughs> uh, uh, she wasn't ready. And it wasn't a knock. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't discouraged by her thoughts. She wasn't ready. And the reality is in our family, in our marriage, uh, she's usually the really fast decision maker. And she has very little... Uh, this is going to sound bad, like understanding of those who take forever to make decisions. But I've had to teach her that I take forever to make decisions, right? She makes decisions quickly. She's pretty assertive. She's pretty confident in her decision-making. And uh, I move at a glacier's pace when I make decisions, right? Especially big ones. I kind of just sit on them forever and uh, just kind of, you know, mess around in there for, for far too long. So when she wasn't ready, that frankly, that really caught my attention. In the meantime, it was fine. You know, we had ministry to do here. We had job. You know, I have a job here, and I love it, and I love the team, and I love all the things that are going on here. So there there was no uh, discouragement in sticking around here, doing what we needed to do, and we knew that the Lord again would make it clear to us uh, when we were to take some steps and jump into this. But about a year ago, I started to lose sleep over it. I did. I started to lose some sleep over it, and I started to kind of just tune in a little bit harder, maybe. I don't know. I think the Lord's always speaking to us, but there are times in our lives where it feels like the volume's turned up a little bit, right? So I started to lose some sleep over it. And sometime shortly after that, Tara came to me, and she just said, out of the woods, she said, okay, let's do it. And I was kind of caught off guard, right? And I needed, <laughs> I needed to get the lawn mowed before it got dark. So I sat on it for a little while, not... Well, I sat on the mower too, but I mean, I sat on what, what she was saying, right? So I, I was just kind of like, huh. But as I was mowing my lawn, and when I mow, I mean, we all have our kind of own unique things, right? When I mow, it's kind of my time with the Lord. I'm singing songs, I'm worshiping, I'm praying. It's just kind of my time by myself uh, with the Lord. So I was praying, and I was mowing, and I was praying, and I remember praying like very, very distinctly. I was legitimately saying, I said it out loud, Lord, is now the time? And the wind changed. I mean, it was that crazy. It's now the time. And the wind changed. So I came in inside after I was done mowing and in my stupidity. Now I'm pushing back, right? Because that's what I do. And I told Tara, I said, hey, uh, are you sure? <laughs> are you sure we should do this? Because uh, like Grace Point's great. It's healthy. It's strong. I love everything about my team and blah, blah, blah. It's all It's all good. Uh, and, you know, I said, I just can't understand, like, why would we leave? It's it's healthy. It's good. And she, that very day, maybe the day before, I don't remember, but sometime right around that moment, she had read John 15 in her D group. And D groups, you don't know what those are. Those are part of the discipleship strategy here at Grace Point. They're small groups of people basically just, I mean, studying God's word together. That's truly about the gist of it. So, and John 15 too, says this, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will bear, so that it will be even more. Fruitful, and she said to me, Babe, healthy branches get pruned too, so they can be more fruitful. And I went, Okay, okay. And her, and her, like, God's word, well, her words, but you know, God's word was so convicting to me through her right then and there. So, uh, that's that's like part one of my why. That's like the goosebumps part, like the, pe- the part that gives you the, the goosebumps and the heebie jeebies. But here's here's kind of a more practical reason. Here's here's number two. Uh, as if I needed another reason. That was pretty good confirmation for me. But here's, here's number two. Uh, 12 years ago, almost 12 years ago, when we got here to Grace Point, uh, the church had just done some studies and gathered some information about, you've probably heard this number if you've been around Grace Point for any number of years, uh, 96,000. You heard that number around here? Uh, we, built our, we built our campaign around it. We built a lot of what we did around this number. And that number meant that of the 100, I think it was like roughly 130,000 people that live in Topeka. I don't remember what the number is. But uh, at that time, somewhere like 127, 130,000 that live in Topeka, 96,000 of them had no affiliation with Jesus' church whatsoever. Whew. And the reality is, as Tim just talked about COVID, I, I think it's one contributing factor, but uh, we've not actually gained ground on that. Like our church has grown, Grace Point's grown, I'm thankful for that, that's good. But the church in Topeka has not really gained ground. That's actually become a wider gap. And now that number's over 100,000 people of the 130,000 that have no affiliation with Jesus' church. So when you couple that, when I compare that with this statistic that frankly just kind of wrecks me, uh, I needed to do something about it. So here's the statistic. Uh, new faith communities or church plants... Reach people at a rate three times higher than existing ones do. So I would champion being a church planting church, even if I wasn't the church planter. You know what I mean? Like I'm thankful to be a part of a church. And as I say that, I want to make this really, really clear, too. Uh, proud pastors aren't willing to do this. Humble pastors are willing to do this. Humble leaders like this guy right here is willing. To do this, so, uh, so that that, again, that kind of wrecked me, and I basically went to Tim and I said, "Hey, man, uh, here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I'm dealing with." And he went, basically, right? I'm I'm paraphrasing. He said, "Huh? No kidding. Me too." And it turns out we're both pretty interested in you know positioning ourselves in our church for maximum kingdom impact instead of just our kingdom you know this this kingdom that we as pastors can sometimes feel like we have a strange i don't know proprietary like ownership over as though it's <laughs> as though it depends on us in some weird way i don't know but that's just that's just the reality of it so uh, i went to him said that and we kind of just said all right well let's do this and we talked to the board and uh, our boards behind this and we talked to our staff and our staff is uh, behind this so uh, but what i realized pretty quickly after i said that was uh oh I'm 0 for 2 in two pretty crucial categories here. One is (laughs) I've never been a lead pastor before. And two is I've never planted a church before. Whoops. So I don't really know how to do any of those things. And those are two pretty big parts of planting a church, right? So uh, I went to him and I said, hey, uh, I got an individual I'd love to come be with me in this and come partner with me in this. And I kind of laid out for him why. And uh, I've never done either of those things. But there's somebody on our staff who's got a lot of experience in both of those things. Uh, So I went to Pastor Jim and I said, hey man, would you come mentor me? Would you come be a part of this? Would you come help me lead this thing? Would you come? Uh, One of Jim's great gifts and great skills and great callings is to preach. And he's going to do a fair amount of that at our church. And I'm going to do a fair amount of that. And I'm also going to lead worship some. And I just felt like an easy, you know, I had lunch with or breakfast with Jim the second or third week that he had ever showed up here. And I left that breakfast that morning, went home and told my wife. And I said, huh, that was interesting. She said, what's that? I said, that guy is going to be a huge part of my life. I don't know how. Didn't know how that was going to unfold, but uh, here we are. So he's graciously agreed to come into that. So I know this is heavy. You're, you're hearing all in the matter of about 20 minutes. Hey, Mark's going to go play in a church, and, you know, some of you may celebrate that, and some of you may be bummed by that. And then you go, also, Jim's going to come with him, and some of you may celebrate that, and some of you may be bummed by that. Uh, and it's heavy, and I know that. There's a lot of answers we don't have, but what we've, de- what we've decided for now is that as heavy and hard as it is, that's what yes demands of us. That's what obedience demands of us. So uh, that's where we find ourselves. That's uh, where we're going to take this baby. Uh, it's not going to be for another handful of months. We're not leaving tomorrow. We're not leaving next month. Um, it's going to be probably six to nine months at least before we see this thing come to fruition. Uh, so Jim and I both will still be around here, hopefully doing uh, ministry with people we love for quite some time still. So uh, that's spiel. Ready to go.
0: Yeah. So he's not going anywhere yet, but... Um... Too many churches get started because of church splits, and I want you to hear this from both of us. It's one of the reasons we both wanted to be up here on the stage, is that Mark and I are both unified in this. Um, we're of one mind in this. We've worked together on this. Up to this point, we're going to continue to work together um, on this. We've talked a little bit about what it looks like for us, not just to start another church, but to start a family of Churches. Um, and and our network, whatever that looks like. So we're on the same page, but that doesn't mean there's not a sense of loss. I'm going to miss working with Mark as closely as we have over the past 12 years.
1: I'm pretty awesome. (laughs) You
0: you are pretty (laughs) awesome. I completely agree. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to miss his pastoral heart. I'm going to miss his humor. <laughs> I'm going to miss his abilities in, in leading us in worship. Um, I'm going to miss his leadership. He's, he's been a huge part of, of the leadership here at Grace Point. Um, and I've told him this multiple times, um, but we will miss him as well. He's not moving anywhere. They'll still be here in Topeka, but there is a, there is a strange, weird distance that happens whenever we send people out. Um, even in the same city. So we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna miss them. There is a sense of loss and I think we just need to call that out and say it and be willing to feel those emotions. Um, and there's gonna be a sense of loss for some of you because what I'm asking you to do is not just to champion and pray for Mark and Tara and um, say, yeah, let's give them some money. I'm asking some of you to pray and ask God if you will be a part of this. I'd I'd love for us to send 100, 150, 200, I have no idea, kids, teenagers, and adults to start this new thing. I'd love for us, this first time that we do this, to be a sending church, not just leaders, but disciples that will go and help Mark and Tara get this going. So I'm going to ask you to pray that. I'm going to ask you to ask God if is this is this what you're asking me to go and I don't know where we're going but I'm 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 going to go wherever you send me what have what have you put in my hand what have you given me and how can I use that to multiply the kingdom I'm asking you to start praying that right now I know you have questions I know there's all kinds of things going on but we'll we'll get to those but I'm asking you to start praying that right now and we're also going to ask you
1: Yeah other, another piece of this prayer thing is uh not that you would uh we are going to ask that if you're willing um, to grab that connection card out of the seat in front of you, the little pocket there, and if you're willing just to be a part of the prayer team for this. Listen, it is not saying, yeah, I'm going. It's not that. It's just saying, yeah, I'm bu- I'm, I, I believe in this baby, whether I'm part of it or not uh you're a part of it whether you stay here or whether you go I mean we are con- we are committing to this as two churches moving forward uh, one way or another so we're just asking if you pray and i'm gonna I'm gonna take that list we're actually going to make a list out of that and I'm gonna keep you updated on on things as we go forward and things that you can be praying about and and, and things like that so so Tim's deal is hey will you pray about joining this and I'm also saying just on a kind of a, even a more rudimentary level will you just pray for this so if you'll grab that connection card in front of you, there's a little little white box in the middle of it and you can just write in the little comments part, put your name and and just put prayer team if you want and the reality is I'm I'm going through a coaching relationship with a church planter um, that has asked me to find a prayer team of a hundred (laughs) people. So, I'm using you guys to get me start, started if you're up for that. And I think we need to be in prayer about it together anyways to see the blessing of Jesus in it, uh, as, as churches, as the church in Topeka together. Okay. So if you'll do that, you can put those on the connection cards, drop in those boxes. Uh, when you go to the same boxes that get, you know, visitor information, that sort of thing.
0: There's the first bite bite-sized chunk. Um, but we got a lot more to chew on over the next month and years to come. Um, this, I don't think I'm overstating this. This will change us as a church. This is going to change us as people. And, and it's gonna it further our impact and further our reach in Topeka, but it, it will change us as people. So I don't, I don't do this a lot, but I do wanna do this here. I wanna ask you to be here every week this month. I know what our culture is. I know what the habit is. I come a week because we took off last week and now I'm here. Well, I'm gonna take off next week and I'll come for a couple weeks and then take a break. I get that. I understand that. I'm asking you to be here every single week, not because the messages are going to be so spectacularly amazing. That's not it. But we believe that God is speaking to us as a church. And I don't want you to miss that. I want you to be here for that. So please, would you, would you make it be the exception to the rule and show up every week for at least a month okay we're going we're going to end by praying a prayer that I would like for us to pray throughout this week throughout this month um, I don't know how much longer we're going to pray this maybe it'll just kind of be the rallying cry for us as a church, but this is the prayer I want us to pray God multiply me I'm ready to follow and if you're willing to pray that if you're willing to join us in this that's really the prayer that I want you to pray. So would you stand with us? Um, I'm going to pray, and then you're going to go get your kids, because I want a children's pastor to stay <laughs> on staff. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, Jesus, Holy Spirit, you've led us to this place, as, as we already saying earlier. Um, you're not going to let us down here. It's a, it's, it's, it's a new season for us. It's a new year for all of us, but it's a new season for us as a church. So would you continually remind us that you're with us, that you promise to build your church, not mine, not Mark's, not ours, it's yours. And not even hell, not even death would be able to stop it. God, we, we, we thank you for, we praise you for that promise. And we're going to lean into it. God, would you, through the, the weeks and the months ahead, the details, the questions, um, all of the things that the enemy is going to throw at us to keep us confused or um, to keep us from being unified in this, would you protect us from that? Would you help us to love each other really, really well? Would you help us to ask difficult questions? Would you help us with the answers that we need? God, would you provide in ways that only you can. And we'll give you praise. We thank you. We honor you and we pray this for your kingdom, not our own. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for being here. If you want to put your name and email on that connection card to be a prayer partner with us, do that. Have a wonderful week. You're dismissed.